This is a Payone Media production. The following podcast on the Your Own Pay Podcast Network will contain adult content. Listener discretion is advised. More information about this episode can be found at yourownpay.com. Enjoy the show. It's Demasi and Michael just talking tech. So we got a ton of stuff to talk about. Welcome to DM99. As you're listening to this, none of this is going to matter. But when you're listening to the recorded version of this that you have fetched through your podcast player, you can go to yourownpay.com slash DM99 to get show notes and, of course, links to the stuff that we're going to mention because I get the feeling there's a lot of mentioning going on this episode. Uh, I got new stuff. Mike's doing different things. Um I don't know what else is going on in the world. I do, but I don't want to talk about that stuff. So, hmm. yeah. So I could talk about COVID tests. Man, let's skip that a little bit for now. Well, hold on. Did you try these uh, accessible tests? No, but I have comments on them. <laughs> okay. I want to hear your comments because I have some of them. I have not yet used them. Did you Here order yours? I did. Okay, so I don't remember ordering mine, and then a box of 12 of them showed up on our doorstep this morning, and I'm like, well, that's creepy, because we talked about it, so maybe I was busy, you know, stoned or something, and, and ordered them and didn't realize it, but but yeah, so a uh, box of 12 of them showed up, and Mallory made a mention to me of something that it said in writing that, of course, is not in Braille, so it's not accessible, and that is that they may use the results of these tests to determine hotspots in the areas where people are testing. And I'm, I'm kind of uncomfortable with that. Like one thing that came to my mind when I was doing dishes before we got started is, you know, we've, we've come a long ways with accessibility, but what type of privacy issues are we giving up for that accessibility? That is a conversation that I know we have had. Maybe we have not had it on the show. Uh, cause I, I have mentioned that you know, in passing when it comes to GPS applications, for example, like there's no way for me to use GPS on my, I, I was actually, the details are not really important, but it occurred to me today that, you know, someone could reach out and they could say, Hey man, I need you. And the first question I have to ask them is, is this on the record or off the record? It <laughs> means, do I need to leave my phone at home? Because if I take my phone, then there would be a trace of wherever I went. Whereas if I don't take my phone, nobody knows where I am, but the disadvantage to me there then becomes, I better know where the hell I'm going if uh, I'm walking there because yeah. otherwise I'm going to just be wandering around the city and I ain't helping nobody. <laughs> I was going to ask you, how is that, how is that accessibility related? But I get what you're saying now. Yeah. Now, to be fair, you know, maps have never been great in Braille. I have seen some Braille maps. I've seen some that are pretty decent. There's no way I could walk around with a Braille atlas, right? It's not a thing, right? Just just being practical about the situation. No, I, I Come on, you sure it. can. Uh, we, we have a live listener. I'm, I'm going to keep them private, but they just texted me and said, you can guarantee that anything from the government will be used to track you. Of course. I was going to get there, too. Thank you, anonymous uh, listener. <laughs> who shared that because that was going to be my other thing. The government gives you something for free. You can absolutely guarantee they want to know what you're doing with it. So let's be clear about that. What I am curious to know, uh, I'm not surprised that this, this is a, this is not a good thing, but I am not surprised 
that there are not Braille instructions with this. Although, as we think about how accessible things are and, oh, we're giving you accessible tests. Do you think maybe you may want to give me some instructions as a blind person on how to use this test? Right. Because everybody's not going to be uh, Michael. I also know how why Michael has tests, too. I'm not going to call out the person I think that made sure he got some. But uh, <laughs> I feel like I probably know who is responsible for that. Yes. Yes. Uh, and uh, but, you know, it, it would make sense to give me some Braille instructions or or not necessarily Braille instructions because not everyone reads. Braille. Or you could have emailed the instructions to me because they do have my email address for me ordering the test. Right. Like, here's what you need to do when you open this. Uh, because you can't count on everybody knowing Braille. Uh huh. Everyone, well, not everyone, a lot of sighted people know the symbol representation of a QR code. They know what a QR code is or they've seen it. Why can't we put the letter Q to the left of a QR code? Because then it would make it easier for a blind person to scan that. And then that would give them the directions that they can use. And then you don't have to email them. You don't have to rely on Braille. Just have a Q there or something that would allow you to know that there's something you can scan there. Or just come up with a universal symbol that could be used as a sticker, which is going to I'm going to come back to that when I talk about uh, one of the new things that I have in my household uh, and how just having a sticker in the appropriate place made my life a whole lot easier. Mm. Yeah. Uh, But with these tests, um, my question is, is there a QR code somewhere for me to scan? Because I know I need to download an app because it uses Bluetooth, but which app am I downloading? I am not going to anybody's app store, Apple's or Google's, hmm. to search for government <laughs> COVID app. Do you know that the app that I find at the top of the list is not going to be the one that I probably need to install? So, you know, some help there would be very useful. Again, a QR code can help with that. I'm pretty sure they may have one there. Uh, but then I spend, you know, an hour trying to find it. But the problem, like I said, you know, it's nice that they put out the test. Yeah. I would expect that they are going to use those to dis- detect hot spots. I'm curious when you launch this app, once you find it. Um, Will they tell you that? Does it disclose that to you in the application before you use it? Right. Because that is the other thing, like full disclosure about the fact that you're going to use this. I can make assumptions all day as, as to what I expect is going to happen. But for the average American citizen who is going to get these tests dropped in their lap, because, you know, some people are just going to have somebody else go order them for them, not because they asked for that, but because, oh, my nephew is blind. I'm going to make sure he gets some of these COVID <laughs> tests uh, or, you know, whatever. My auntie is blind. I'm going to make sure she gets some of these COVID because you don't have to give any personal identifiable information really to get the test sent to an address. Like essentially I could have put in, you know, Michael's information. I did not yep. do this, but I could have put in <laughs> Michael's information. Had the email still come to me for verification that he he got them and that they were shipping and all of that stuff, but had them shipped to Michael's address because I know Michael's address and Michael is also a blind person that I happen to know. Right. So this could happen. Very interesting, though. Uh, I have not opened mine yet. I, uh, I have some in the closet, but I have not opened them yet uh, because nobody needs to test at this moment, I feel. I feel that nobody's showing any sort of weird symptoms of anything uh, other than allergies, and they are allergies. I'm certain of that, mostly because everyone in the house except for me has been to the doctor about their allergies. 
Mm. So I did just get a WhatsApp message. Man, I really need to stop doing live streaming because everyone has my number, so they're messaging me or WhatsApping me. Uh, and the individual, because I didn't name the other person, so I'm not going to name you, uh, but the individual who WhatsApp me said that he her- he learned yesterday that they're only keeping track of uh, zip c- data from zip codes, which kind of makes sense. I mean, ultimately, uh, and, and we'll wrap this conversation up, uh, when you get something free from the government, as we kind of said, expect there to be consequences. Not consequences, but expect there to be tracking to you if you are getting stuff for free. So, Demasi, what do you want to go to next? Since we did not prepare for DM99, we're going back to how we've always done the show and not doing any preparation. Not how we've always done the show. We started the show with a very, very tight, almost scripted episodes is how we started. Somewhere in the middle there, we just stopped doing any kind of (laughs) preparation we just showed up we talked for a while somebody edited it and it got published and you know here we are dm99 hey how you guys doing uh we're back to kind of the middle part of this thing because there are no show notes uh so just to follow on to since we I, i briefly referenced it so I recently picked up some smart plugs. Uh, links will be in the show notes at yourownpay.com slash DM99, including a link to get your free COVID test, accessible COVID test from the government. Uh, we'll drop that in there too. But I picked up some smart plugs. Um, I picked up the Maris uh, smart plug. I'm going to get the name of this wrong. It's the Maris mini smart plug home kit. Uh um whatever it's 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 a smart plug yeah my computer went to sleep and i got distracted Uh okay it is the maris uh mini wi-fi smart plug home kit compatible also works with amazon and alexa have to be specific about that home kit part because they have some plugs on amazon i did buy these from amazon uh, and I bought a four pack of these and I'll describe what they are in a second, but I want to make sure that as you're listening to me that you, um, if you're looking for what I was looking for, which is the home kit ones, there is a version that is cheaper that are still mini plugs. They're Wi-Fi, and they work with home kit. I mean, not home kit. They work with Google and Alexa. They do not work with home kit. They are about 15 ish bucks cheaper than the ones that work with home kit. I almost bought those, except I double checked and didn't see HomeKit in the listing. And I knew that these had HomeKit support. So I went and found the ones that actually had HomeKit support. Otherwise, they're exactly the same plug. Uh, Just one has HomeKit compatibility and one set does not. Be aware of that when you're purchasing and be aware of that in general when purchasing from uh, Maris. Uh, and the company name is spelled M-E-R-O-S-S. Uh, they have a lot of devices where they have two versions. One is HomeKit compliant. One does not have HomeKit. The non-HomeKit stuff is always cheaper. So if you're like some people, you have just Google in your house or Alexa in your house and you're not doing HomeKit, buy the cheaper thing unless you think mm. you're going to want HomeKit at some point. Me, I want a HomeKit because, you know, well, I'm me. Here are these plugs, right? So they're, they are... Essentially, what they look like is if you were to take a a block, some some power strips uh, have like, you know, sort of the, the outlets are kind of outlined as a block. If you took that block and just yank one of those out and then you can plug it into a, a, a wall outlet. That's all this is. Uh, it does jut out a little bit. I'm going to say about maybe two to two and a half inches out of the outlet 
Uh, but that's for all the Wi-Fi smart stuff to go in there. Uh, but it plugs in, does have a ground. So if you're using these, you do need to have a an outlet that does have a ground. Depending on how old your house is, you may have more or less of those. What I like about these is, one, they are compact enough that I can still make use of the second outlet that's in my wall. So uh, one smart outlet is plugged in. One smart plug is plugged into an outlet. I can make use of the other outlet as just a normal outlet. So that's cool. Pairing these was amazing. And all they do is allow you to turn stuff on and off uh, with your smart assistant of choice. There's also a button, a physical button on the side that you can press to turn these outlet on and off. So handy if you don't want to use your smartphone or if you're using HomeKit and Siri's like, I'm sorry, uh, I can't talk to that right now. Still working on that. (laughs) Yeah, you're still working on it, huh? Okay, I'll tell you what, I'll push this button, turn it off. Uh, other than that, they're basic smart plugs, like any, any other smart, you know, plug that you have heard about. This is basically how these work. What I liked about them is number one, they were not terribly expensive. I got a four pack on Amazon at the time of my purchase. And this was before prime day, mind you, uh, the time of my purchase, I think I paid about $39 for four of them. Um, I don't know what the regular price is, but I'm pretty sure that was a discount. So regular, they're like 45 and some change on Amazon. For still one? to me isn't bad for four. Oh, okay. Four, so four, four. So, so 45 for four of them. So you're looking at, yes. you know, $11 a piece pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I saved a few bucks on that and got them for like 38 something. So pretty simple to set up. I will tell you this. I did attempt to set these up with Google Home first. Um, I did because we have a Google some hub. You have a Google hub, a Google Nest hub. Whatever. Yeah, that thing. Whatever they're calling it this month. With a screen on it, right? I don't know which one. I don't. It's like the second generation of the thing with a screen that has Google in it that goes in your house. That's what I have. Uh, Also has a Bluetooth speaker in it, by the way. Um, I wanted to set it up with Google because the kids use the Google Home. Tia uses the Google Home. And I figured, okay, well, let's set that up with Google. Looked inside of, you know, Google, how to set this up. And it's like, okay, Maris is a, you know, Google Home supported device. So I go to the Google Home app. I tap add new, add new device. Pick from a list of uh, Google Home, you know, known to work with uh, service companies. Tapped on Maris. And it kicks me out to a web page and wants me to log into my Maris account. Guess what I did? <laughs> Close that and then I said, okay, screw that. I'm going to HomeKit. So I went to the Home app and I hit add new. And here's the thing, Mike, I don't know if we ever discussed this on the show, but I did not remember I had set up like the basis, like the framework, like went through the whatever the setup steps are for setting up a HomeKit home. Like I don't remember doing that, but apparently I did at some point. Uh, so I went to the HomeKit app, t- tapped add uh added a new device i scanned the qr code and here's what i was referencing earlier there's a little sticker on the top face of the uh smart plug if you orient it where the two prong where you have two prongs of the outlet are are on top of you know looking at it from the back and the ground is you know at the bottom forming a triangle right and that orientation on the top face of the plug there's a little square sticker Pointed the phone at that. I was like, I bet that's where the QR code is. Pointed the phone at that. Detected device. Would you like to add this smart plug <laughs> to your home? I was like, uh, yeah, hold on. Let me plug it in the wall real quick so it has some power and then hit add. <laughs> and then a few seconds later, it was like, do you want to name this device? And I said, yes, let me change the name to, you know, kitchen. 
And where room do you want to put this in? Oh, let me add a new room called the kitchen because I don't have a kitchen in here yet. Okay, there's a kitchen. All right, there we go. All right, this device has been added. All right. Plugged in a fan, told Siri, turn off the fan, turn off the fan, turn on the fan, turn on the fan. All right, this is great. Everything works. That's how it should be. Like That's how it, it should it be. It should be that seamless. Yep, that is how it should be. I am very impressed by the quality. And here's the thing. Like, I have not had any disconnections of, and I now have a second outlet deployed because uh, Teal was hmm. like, I, 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 can we put one in the living room with that fan too? And I was like, sure, we can do that. We got three more. Now, can you group them together and say, turn the fans on and then both of them turn on? So I don't know okay. because I am not a home. This is literally the first home kit device outside of my Apple TV or my Eero routers that I've had in my home. So I don't know. That is a Wait, good Eero question. Or home Eero. kit compatible? Yes, I just added them to to my home kit home. Uh, Why would you need your Wi-Fi in your home? Like, because so, you need your Wi-Fi to operate stuff on your home. So what? What uh, I will drop a link in the show notes. I don't remember all of the details of it, uh, but home kit uh, secure routers are a thing. What that does allow you to do is have the router. Ma- so here's the thing. Like Maris is a smart plug, right? The smart plug is 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 by right. Maris. They have to do firmware updates. I could go in because it's in HomeKit and because the router is now in HomeKit and say, hey, I don't want this device talking to anything outside of the network. Uh, Turn it off. Arrow will be like, okay, Maris plugs, you're not talking to anybody outside the network. Shut it down. You can talk to everything inside of here if you want to, but you're not going out to the cloud to talk to anybody. That's one of the features. I, I think there's probably some more, but that's one of the features that you get by having a router that is also HomeKit uh, workable, compliant, whatever. The HomeKit compatible? There we go. <laughs> uh, and Eero happens to be one of those. I had not added it to, so it's not as if I, at least I don't think I can go in and say like, you know, hey, S, uh, turn off the Wi-Fi and have that work. That would be handy for some boys who like to stay up late. Just saying. <laughs> uh, but no, it just tight, more tightly integrates the router with with the HomeKit home so that you're able to manage devices from there. Or like, as I said, you know, say, hey, you can only talk to approved uh, services outside of the network or you can't talk to any or, hey, you can talk to anybody. And you know, I'm not turning that set on, but, you know, that that is an option as well. So it makes that stuff work a little bit better more integrated within your network so to answer your question i'm going to test that and find out if i can group them together and say hey turn on the fans and have both fans in different rooms come on at the same time that would be kind of cool um i got an sd card yesterday finally uh went to walmart with mallory and she had us get one and it well she said we can finally get the sd card that i've been asking for uh, i could have just ordered on amazon i'm not sure if i'm going to Use this micro SD card for the P4? Probably not. What I'm probably going to use it for is one of these HomeKit, HomeBridge things because we got an air conditioner that has Wi-Fi on it, but we can't access it in home yet. So uh, it is available on HomeBridge, and I need to spend more time on that wonderful service called Discord with people like Doug and Michael and uh, Jeff to make sure that you know we can talk about the successful implementations of third-party tools to bridge HomeKit-compatible and non-HomeKit-compatible devices together. Hint, hint, Doug. I'm going to pick your brain soon. 
because I think you've done more research than I have. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Homebridge is something I'm going to set up. I I hear now that Homebridge has, since they have gotten their GUI, they are moving a lot more aggressively uh, as well. But yeah, Homebridge is something I know I am going to have to set up at some point. Uh, But right now, I just have these smart plugs. They're working great with HomeKit. I did order some light bulbs from the same company uh, that are RGB, I think is. They change colors. Like the Hue bulbs. Hue is yeah. the first ones that came out with these colors. So I ordered these. Uh, they haven't gotten here yet, but when they get here, I will set those up Do you need a bridge for them, well. do you know? Uh, no, they're Wi-Fi. They have a Wi-Fi antenna built into them. So I should, in theory, be able to scan a code on the light bulb and then screw it into a socket. And then, like, yeah, we, we have recognized we this. If they work, but we'll see how that goes. Now, I will absolutely let you know by the time when we record DM one hundred. That will be one of the topics. One uh, thing that I will let people know is Demasi and I talked completely about these light bulbs. I knew the answer to the question, but I forgot it. That's why I asked him. So that's typically how our conversations go. Uh, she tells I me something, remember. I forget it, so I ask. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't remember if we discussed that or not. But no, no bridges. So for me, here's my goal with anything inside of a smart home. Outside of setting up something like HomeBridge, uh, which is, to me, one, you know, it puts one of my Raspberry Pis to use. And two, it is a way to bring in stuff that does not have compatibility with the smart home um, ecosystem I have decided to use. I don't want any bridges in my house. I don't want any any hubs or anything like that. That's one of the reasons I don't have any of this stuff now is because so much of it was dependent on a hub to operate the overall device. Like you had to plug a hub into your network and then that would talk to the smart device. And I'm like, well, it's not very smart, is it? <laughs> At least in my mind, not judging anybody who has used these things, but just for me, it's like one, I know how crazy my networking situation would get. And two, I do feel like I should be able to plug something in, you know, literally or figuratively speaking, and add it to my network and then be able to control it. I should not need an additional box uh, in order to talk to the thing. That's like saying, hey, I'm not going to talk directly to the light bulb. I'm going to call Michael and tell Michael I want to turn the lights on, and then Michael will tell the light bulb to turn on. No, that's, <laughs> that's madness. Or to put that more to a point, instead of me calling, let's say Jeff. Right. Instead of me calling Jeff directly and saying, hey, Jeff, I gotta want to talk to you about this thing. I call Michael and say, Michael, can you ask Jeff about this? And then Mike calls Jeff and says, Jeff, Demasi wants to know about this. And then Jeff says, oh, well, you know, you do such and such and yada, yada. And that's a good thing to do. And then Michael turns back around and tells me, OK, I talked to Jeff and Jeff said this. Why don't I just call Jeff directly? I have Jeff's phone number. I can call him. Uh-huh. Yep. So that's and it's, it's like a, a modern electronic version of telephone. Yeah, and I don't like that. Not to mention, again, like, you know, I know people that have three or four different hubs because they have three or four different family of devices inside of their smart home. And it's like, it's not that the hub is bridging things like HomeBridge does. It's like, no, you just need the hub in order to talk to your Hue bulbs. I know Hue doesn't do that necessarily anymore, but that's how they started. I know a lot of people that have several of these hubs hanging off their network, which means what did they have to do? At some point, they have to go buy a Ethernet switch to plug all the hubs into because they got too much crap. Uh, and then you need to make sure that it. all of those are being updated too. That's the other thing. I feel like we're in a much better place nowadays with smart home stuff because home kit, Apple did some very smart, st- 
strategic things to help them, one of which was switching the requirement for home care from hardware-based to software-based. There we go. That that makes sense. Do you have any more about this? Otherwise, I have a question for the listeners, and then we can talk about my mess that I have here. That's actually not as messy as I thought it was going to be. Oh, no, right? It should be pretty clean. And it is. I Mallory even told me my desk looks cleaner now that I actually got everything all set up. Whoa. I know. I know. Unbelievable. Does she also give you a brownie? No. Oh. Unfortunately not. Well, apparently it's not that clean. <laughs> uh, but no, no more on the switches or the outlets. I shall, you know, follow up on the light bulbs and stuff later. They do have a lot of good gear. We will drop links to the Amazon things that I purchased. Uh, I will say this much. So I guess I did have one more thing. I will say this much. If you're interested in home kit products from Maris, uh, I would actually, for most stuff, recommend going to their website directly as opposed to Amazon. And reason being, sometimes the home kit stuff isn't in Amazon, hmm. such as the power strip. I was Nope. LED lights I was looking at. Uh, they have the Alexa Google supported ones on Amazon, but the home kit ones are only on their website at the moment. Hmm. But links will be at youronpay.com slash DM99. And while you're at youronpay.com slash DM99, we'll have links to our Twitter and I almost said Facebook, but I'm not using Facebook right now. But on those Twitter accounts, either the show, Demasi's or mine, and longtime listeners know that we mentioned it at the end of the show. We also want to know what is it that you like about the show and what is it that you would like to see different about the show because over the last 99 episodes couple of years we've changed a lot of things around on the show we started out talking about single topics our show top or our shows were an average of about seven to ten minutes now we're averaging about 65 minutes and we talk about five or six different topics in a show so we're curious what you would like better uh, what you'd like to see us do more of. And I'm not sure if Demasi has any ideas of other things he wants to see, but those are primarily the things. What do you like? What do you want better? Or what would you like more of? And uh, what do you not like about the show? I'm more interested to know what don't you like about the show. Yeah. And yeah, share that because I want to know why you haven't been telling your friends to listen to the show because I see the listener number. So does Michael. <laughs> we know when we get new listeners and apparently either you guys really don't like the show well enough to tell other people to listen to it. So tell us what that issue is. Tell us what the barrier is to telling someone else, hey, you should really check these guys show out. Right. Uh, or why are you telling if if you are telling other people? Because I know one person is telling other people. What makes you want to tell them to listen to us? Because there are a lot of podcasts out there, and we're definitely not professional. Man, we're professional. We're more professional. Some of this other crap is going on. Good point. Hey, give Good me, point. give me, give me two minutes. I'll be right back. This is what they don't like about the show. <laughs> <laughs> the thing people don't like about the show is hearing us running on and on and on about our audio setups. Nobody really. So let me tell you about this Jeep I put together, though. <laughs> I am interested in this. Uh, maybe no, we I do make want, people hold on. <laughs> I, I do want to get to the P4 thing because you, you got to explain some of it to me because I told you to hold it for the show. But I did want to talk about this Jeep mostly because as I was getting up to go do what I needed to do, I ran into the box for this <laughs> Jeep. And I know we talked about this Jeep when I first bought it. Yep. So it's a power wheel Jeep. I mean, nothing 
really spectacular about the Jeep itself, other than the fact that uh, me and Tia sat here and put it together yesterday. It took us a few hours to get it done, but we got it put together. The kids got to play with it today. So for anybody that is a listener that remembers back probably around November, December-ish of last year, yep, we talking about this Jeep and that we bought it. And that he stuffed uh, it under the house. Yeah, because that, that's what I did with it. Because uh, I knew <laughs> I could not put it together with the kids' present. Uh, yeah, so we finally put it together. Uh, there was a delay. I know there was a huge delay. Uh, partially, it's almost Christmas already, again. Yeah, but look, man, listen. Listen, here's the thing. Number one, cannot put that Jeep together with kids uh, around. Wouldn't have worked. Uh, two... I know my kids well enough to know that had I taken time when they were at school to try to put it together, uh, they would have wanted to ride it when it was well too cold for them to be outside uh, yeah. uh, driving around in the Jeep. So that happened. And then once it started to warm up, like just kind of delays after delays uh, just kept coming up, including getting the grass cut. Because, uh, you know, no point in giving them this nice Jeep to drive around in and like the grass is too thick and tall for you to actually drive through it. So... But anyway, that happened for anybody that was curious, uh, besides Mike, as to what happened. Uh, we did put it together. It was a little difficult in the sense that there was a lot of pictures and not a lot of words of like, mm. okay, you're going to take this piece and connect to that piece. It was like, no, here's a picture of us. In the previous picture, you didn't see this piece. In this picture, you see this piece. And it was like, okay, what the hell did they just add? Like, where is that piece? I don't know. Did you use Ira at all by chance? We did not, mostly because it did not occur to me. Uh, okay. And this is scenario, but I was doing like the fitting the piece together, screwing it on. Tia was looking at the instructions, so that's possibly why it also did right. not occur to me. Um, but we got it done. Wheels are on. Nothing fell off. They drove it around all this afternoon. I've been outside for like I don't know. It feels like a super long time. Allergies are really going to be a. Uh, a bear in the morning but hey they had fun and that's the important thing good uh, and and ultimately i wanted to hear what their results were of playing with it and they had fun and do those i haven't i haven't put my hands on a hot wheel in like 20 years maybe 25 years so i'm curious do they have like rechargeable like can you pull up to your tesla power wall for your power stone this power wheels does that work like that with the power wheels that would be cool though actually they're, they're preparing kids for electronic cars if they had a setup <laughs> like that so, so you do still have to take the battery out of it and charge it up but hey it it, it is uh it's getting there. The interesting thing to me about this from the ones that I wanted as a kid uh, is this one, the gear, the little gear shift in the middle actually does matter. Ooh. Uh, so because it can go in reverse. So you have to actually put it in reverse in order to go in reverse. Uh, I don't remember the ones forward. that I had going in reverse. I remember you had to get out and push that uh, thing backwards. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. That's, that's how it was when I was a kid, too. Uh, so, yeah, there's that. But yeah, we did get it put together. Everything works. They drove around in it. Uh, and for me, at least, I'm like, okay, well, at least they're getting some of that skill to to learn mm -hmm. how to drive, right? Like learn that you can't just turn on a dime in a vehicle the same way that you can on feet. Uh, so it's interesting. They didn't get stuck in the bushes, which I was proud of, although they did grasp on to the fact that, oh, reverse means I can back out of this stuck situation <laughs> fairly quickly. Oh, it'll come. Don't worry. They're going to get it stuck. 
Oh, and then yeah, that's 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 a a problem solving opportunity for them. Uh huh. Uh-huh. They 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 avoided getting stuck today by stopping and realizing, oh, well, if I bag back and then I can turn and go around it. And it's like, okay, good deal. You guys, you got it. Yeah, You're rocking out, good, man. Good. Right. So, like, let's tell us about this P4 because I want to make sure we do get this in because I sort of understand what you're doing. Well, I'll take that back. I do know what you're doing exactly. There are some little details that I want to hear, but I also think it is worth, uh, we we agree that it's worth talking about it just so other people that may find themselves being on the fringes, on the edges of audio setups the way that we are that are also uh, perhaps not uh, wealthy enough to just be like, I'm going to throw $5,000 at this problem and make it go away. Here's a solution. Right. So the problem to be solved, I'm going to start it out with that phrase. Is What's up, that, Allison? <laughs> we wanted something. So if you've listened to this podcast for a while now, you know that both of us got the Soundcraft signature, uh, what was it, last March? 12, is when I got mine. Uh, you got yours last March. I think I picked mine up in May or June of yeah. last year. Yeah, so we've got the Soundcraft Signature 12 MTK, and the flexibility of that is nice because you can, uh, I can have music playing in the background, I can adjust the audio levels of JAWS simply by sliding a slider up and down in my headphones, and then that adjusts it in my headphones, which is great. But the problem is this board was designed for musicians, which means that it comes in super low, at least super low in live environments. When you're recording into your DAW or digital audio workstation, you it's fine because you can adjust the audio levels and you can make things sound the way you want them to. However, with us doing live things, both on things like Clubhouse or working in CleanFeed or Discord, uh, audio would be super low. Um, if I brought my microphone down to right about here, you guys could barely hear me. And I really should not mess with levels while I'm live. You really but, shouldn't do that. <laughs> but what, where I was going with that is, is, is it would bring my audio in super low and Demasi's audio in super low. And you wouldn't be able to hear us in that live environment, unless we did some weird hackery things, I call it. So what I was doing, and I think Demasi was doing something similar, is I was plugging a Y cable that is two RCA on one end and an eighth inch on the other end into my groups on my board. Because the Soundcraft signature has a master output, it also has groups one and two, and it has three aux outputs as well. The 24 model has, I think, five uh, five uh, aux outputs and four groups, I think. I could be wrong on that. But with our board, I would plug mine into group, my uh, eighth inch into an adapter on groups one and then plug the other end of that Y cable into channel 1112. And then whatever I wanted to send into whatever I was talking on, I would press the groups button on that channel. And then I could send things like music or I could send things like jaws or most importantly, my voice at a decent level for people to hear me. Well, most people well, anyways, uh, so I would go ahead and send that in and I would tell the Discord app or I would tell Team Talk, hey, pick up audio from channel 1112 because that's loud enough for people to actually hear me. Uh, a month ago, I think it was, <coughs> I picked up the PodTrack P4 and I don't even, do you remember why I picked this up, Tomasi? Oh, I do. I do. Because I wanted to learn how ACB community was 
simulcasting from Zoom into Clubhouse. And I wanted the same exact device that they were teaching on so I could follow along and possibly change that workflow up to work with the board that I currently had. But I haven't really done much with that. And I've talked about sending it back or selling it. And then all of a sudden, I think it was earlier this week, I said, hey, why couldn't I run a quarter inch cable from the Soundcraft signature to the microphone jack with a XLR on the opposite end of that cable into the P4? The P4 brings my audio up to a decent level, and when I plug my microphone directly into the P4, I'm able to uh, talk and people can hear me just fine, and I have plenty of gain left over on the P4, so I could turn it up if I needed to or experiment with that a little bit. And I went ahead and got this cable off of Amazon, and I plugged it in, and I called Demasi this morning or yesterday, I don't even remember now, and I said, hey, it works. So what I'm doing now is I'm using the P4 as my input device. Any tool that I want to be able to pick up audio from me, I tell it, hey, pick up audio from the P4. The only thing that's plugged into the P4 right now is the USB-C cable to go into my computer, which is actually going into the OWC dock Mallory bought me for Christmas. And then I also have this this XLR to quarter inch, both male on both ends, cable. The quarter inch is plugged into groups one. The XLR is plugged into channel one on the um, P4. And now people can hear me just fine inside of Clubhouse or other tools as well, uh, because that's the audio device that I'm using. So that's my quick setup. If I need to check what audio is going over USB, I set up a listen on... So in Windows, you can go into your audio recording devices, and there's an option that says listen. You check a checkbox, and then you choose what channel you want it to listen on. So that means that you can monitor. There is a delay, so I don't use it all the time. But you can monitor what audio is going into a input device, so you can hear what that sounds like and uh, do some interesting routing with your audio inside of Windows. But all I have to do is hit channel two, the master button, and then all of a sudden I hear myself twice in my headphones because of the real-time monitoring that's on the this channel that I'm talking into the microphone on, and then the listen audio that's coming in on channel two. Cool. And for Mac people, the way that we would do something similar would be to grab a loopback or some other tool or sound source and route the audio how you want it to. Now, Here's the the rub here, because some people are going to hear that and be like, okay, that sounds extremely convoluted. When you said the P4, if you plug your microphone directly into the P4, then people hear you just fine and you don't have these problems. Why are you doing what you just said to accomplish effectively the same thing in my mind? I know the answer to this question, but I'm pretty sure somebody has this question. So if I'm understanding your question, I will answer the way that I think uh, you're asking it. And that is because I want to be able to 
adjust audio that goes into my headphones on the fly and the p4 doesn't give you that flexibility so you only have a stereo in stereo out and with windows i can set chrome to play music out of channel 7 8 which is a stereo channel on the soundcraft board and i can reach over and slide that music up and down i don't have that flexibility with the p4 i can only turn all of the audio up or down that includes jaws and music and my monitoring in my headphones. And so that's why I wanted to be able to get the P4 and the Soundcraft signature to play well together. And why I don't plug my microphone into the P4 directly. I, I honestly don't have an answer for why I didn't just do that. Cause well, because of the exact same reason though, you want to beta control where your audio is going. Yeah. Uh, and if you're recording it to Reaper with multiple tracks, you still want to be able to separate that. No, I was asking the original question that you asked, which is, if the P4 works fine with your microphone connected, why are you doing all this weird stuff with the signature, right? But that's the point. Like, we both, that's why I said this is really a good listen for anybody that is on that edge case that likes to be able to manipulate audio independently. Because I'm the same way. I want to not have to turn everything up or down or look in software to adjust the volume for a YouTube video that I happen to be watching in Safari or Chrome or Firefox or Edge or, okay, that's all of them. Uh, I can just reach over and pull down a slider that all of my browser audio comes out of and be like, okay, I just lowered the volume of that because it was way too loud. whole lot quicker for me than dealing with software uh, it gives me the flex flexibility of mixing my audio. So if I want Michael to hear voiceover, that's just really sort of the twist of a, a at the moment for me, it's the twist of a knob. <clears throat> and In Michael case, set up the way he has it button. going. It's just a push of a button, right? So yeah. it's even quicker for him to say, oh, okay, I'm going to bring in Jaws for a second. Okay, now I'm taking Jaws out. Uh, very, very nice routing. And effectively, the issue with the signature is that they have determined in their build that live audio is fine. So if Michael was to connect his board or me or anybody else with his board were to connect to external monitors and external PA system through the outputs dedicated for that, you would get great audio. It would mm -hmm. not be low. You would not have to over boost your gain or anything like that. The lower levels come in across USB and it's because what we effectively have is a mixer first and audio interface second. That's, that's problem one or, or, you know, configuration issue one is this is designed to be a mixer first and audio interface second secondarily when they considered building an audio interface they weren't thinking of people saying i'm going to use this to route audio into zoom mm. uh, it was like no Port you're going to connect streams. this to your yeah it's no you're going to take this and record audio into logic or pro tools or reaper or okay those are all the ones i remember uh Adobe Audition, that's the one I shall think of. Everybody loves that one, right? Mike, you're switching to Adobe Audition, right? Absolutely not. <laughs> but that that's the plan. And as Mike said, when you're recording directly into a, a digital audio workstation, you're going to do adjustments on the uh, post side of things. So it doesn't matter that your, your, your levels are at minus 20 dB when you record because you're going to bring those up and tweak those anyway. Uh, but again, we're on the edge case. We want to use the board to route audio, manipulate different channels independently so we can adjust levels exactly how we want to hear them in our headphones. And also, 
still talk to people on Zoom or Clubhouse or Clean Feed and have them hear us great. So this is what Mike has done. And this is not ideal. Um, the P4 was not, I don't think was created to be a, because what I'm ultimately using the P4 right now is just an audio interface. Like that's, but that's, that's what it is. It is. I get a little bit more noise. I think you can hear it, Demasi. Hopefully in post we'll be able to clean it up. But if I, if I, if I stop talking for a second and then if I hit the mute button, you probably heard a hiss go away. And I don't know if you noticed that uh, or if clean feeds cleaning it up. So there is a little bit more noise in this setup. I do want to do a little bit of, of alteration to it to see if I can clean that up. Even if that means maybe I do switch out to a different interface. Now, one thing I will say is my desk was very cluttered. So I found this magical stuff that Demasi has mentioned to me a time or two. Mallory uh, picked some up for me yesterday while we were at a craft store, and it is Velcro tape. So I have the P4 upside down under my desk to my right, so I can reach down and hit buttons on it if I want to, make some alterations to the P4 if I want. But for the most part, I don't need to, to interact with that device once it's all set up. But I have it to my right if I need to access it, because all of my audio routing and all of the levels are ideally being set by the Soundcraft signature going into the P4. And then I also bought some uh, Velcro tape on Amazon, some of the stuff that Demasi has that's a little bit more um, heavy duty for what I'm using it for. And I use that to mount my power strip to the wall. So literally the only thing that's on my desk is my phone. I have my computer, my AirPods, and the Soundcraft. I thought you were going to say you did go stick the sauerkraut to the wall. Oh, no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I talked about it, but I did not do that. Now, we mounted the, the power strip, and then I'm just running all the cables down behind the back of the desk. Because cables are part of my life, but I'll tell you what, man, they drive me freaking crazy. I do not like cables. But man, cableless audio is what had me looking at Dante until I realized that uh, for that Dante system, you're looking at one probably ripping out some stuff that I don't want to rip out, and two, uh, a lot of money to get boards and and things that work with that. So yeah, I'll pass for now. So for the meantime, I went and paid sixteen dollars for some Velcro tape, and I Velcro taped my power strip to the wall to get the cables off the desk. There you go. There's a lot of that Velcro tape, too. A lot yeah. of that. I like that. I didn't realize how thick, it, like how wide it was uh, until I got it. And Mallory's like, can we trim that up a little bit for you? I'm like, sure, go for it. Because that's wide. It's a little wider than the power strip I have. But that's one of the things that makes it, at least for me, has made it so useful is because I can cut off the length that I need, but yep. then cut that into two separate strips to do something with. So it, it makes it a lot more flexible. Hits uh, the reason I still have a ton of it left. Right. Even right, though I yeah. velcro a she, ton of she stuff. She told me she's going to hide the Velcro tape from me, though, because she's afraid I'm going to go Velcro everything to, to, or Velcro tape everything to the walls. And so, yeah, uh, she, she hid that, but I know where the other Velcro tape is. Just saying. <laughs> so I have also been looking at some interfaces. Uh, I took a brief look at something that is similar, very similar, more similar than I thought when I ordered it. Uh, to the Soundcraft, <laughs> uh, which is the Tascam Model 16. Uh, this is essentially the same board. Well, not the same board, but the same type of board that we have with the Soundcraft, uh, except it has 16 channels versus 12. And uh, it's made by Tascam instead of Soundcraft, unless Tascam owns Soundcraft secretly and we don't know it. 
but pretty decent board. The one feature, well, I had a couple of features that the Soundcraft does not have, but ultimately I have boxed it back up to go back where it came from because it suffers from the same issue. It was designed to be a live mixer first and an audio interface second. Uh, and that is ultimately what the problem is. Uh, for me and Michael, at least most people, they would just go out and buy like a nice Scarlet or, um, I don't know, can't think of another board, you know, uh, but a regular audio interface an, to plug into an Elgato boards. Wave XLR. I got lots of thoughts about that board. I ain't talking about them today. Uh, but people seem to like it. So if you like it, I love it. I mean, just like some people <laughs> like the, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I have issues with a lot of the lot of the audio interfaces that exist. Uh, mostly that nobody seems to think people want to route multiple tracks of audio across USB. Like, I don't really understand why this is such a difficult thing to obtain. Now, again, this is one of those. This is one of those occasions because they're not always true. But this is one of those occasions where throwing money at the problem would absolutely make it go away. I don't have that money to throw at the problem though. Uh, you know, four or five grand. All of my problems are solved. I got plenty of inputs and outputs, uh, decent levels over USB that I don't have to do any weird boosting stuff and the ability to mix audio tracks. Like, that would absolutely be a thing. But no one's going to yourownpay.com slash support. Thank you, Michael, because I was trying to slip that in. Good job. Good job. See, this is why me and Mike are actually really friends because we do pick up on stuff the exact same way. I'm not going to even put out there how he got out of some situation that he was in possibly uh, exactly the same way that I would have gotten out of said situation because I don't know who listens to the show. Uh, all right, Mike, what else we got going on? Um, oh, I got a new scanner. Uh, wait, I didn't tell you I was buying Did you get it? Yes, yeah, here. I have not had a chance to set it up because I was putting together a Jeep. So we'll talk about it on your own pay.com slash DM100 when that comes out. Oh, wait. wait, yeah. wait don't confuse people. Uh, interesting. <laughs> why Why did you buy a scanner, though? Because longtime listeners know you and I both have the same three-in-one scan, copy, print system. And I have never used the scanning functionality on this device. So a couple of reasons uh, why I bought this scanner. Like you, for a long time, I have not felt that I really needed a stand. There was a point in time in life where I wanted a standalone scanner, and I mm. never got around to getting one because either it was confusing what did what or they wanted too much money. And I was like, you know what, screw that. I got a three-in-one thing over here somewhere. I've always pretty much kind of had one of those around. Here's the problem. the uh, So the, the, the three-in-one deal that we have over here uh, – Unless I'm sitting at my Mac, I cannot use that scanner accessibly. And I don't want to call Ira every time I need to scan a piece of paper. Mm, because of the touchscreen? Uh, yeah, because of the, the screen and the their app, their mobile app is not accessible for me. I've I not even downloaded it. So thank you I can for print me a that. picture with their app, but that's about the only thing I can do because that's the default screen that they put you on. I gotcha. cannot get to a different screen. So there's that. Uh, also, it's not the, it's not bad. And no, Marty just wanted to tell me about a device that we were talking about uh, in the previous episode, which was he does not have the OWC uh, mini stack that he sits his Mac mini on top of. His came from, and I'm sorry, Marty, because I did not write it down and I don't remember. I want to say, I don't think it was Cal Digit. It was uh, pluggable, maybe. Hmm. 
But Satachi, that's Satachi. The there you go. Yes, okay. he and, has a and, and if we got it wrong, Marty, let let Demasi know. Call Demasi, not me. Uh, but yeah, that's what he wanted to talk about was that device. And I was like, geez, man, you almost gave me a heart attack, dude. Like seriously, because like I went to bed and I know the show published while I was asleep, and so that means it's potentially been downloaded by you know several hundred, several thousands of people. JJ, you really should buy an ad right now, man. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been downloaded, you know, a number of times at this point, and I have done something screwy to the episode and didn't even catch it. Uh, but no, he just wanted to talk about the device that he had and that it was great and it was also a satachi not a owc yeah yeah so we we appreciate you gave me some more gray hair to both of you though right i know we 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 work together welcome back jane thanks for coming back to clubhouse appreciate you joining in so the last thing that i want to mention is uh what you can go to your own pay.com slash dm99 when this episode goes live and listen to and i we've been meaning to do this for probably three or four months and i've neglected to so i'm uh consciously going over it and yesterday when this episode publishes so on monday you know, not, not convoluted time travel at all. So the day before this episode publishes, I will have talked on Accessible Media Incorporated's Kelly and Company show about the Envision application and how it's going free. We're also going to talk about the new features in Lisi 7, uh, which is a script system for JAWS. We'll be talking about the new Ira desktop, both my experiences, and I'm going to grab some of Demasi's thoughts and, and include those in the show as well. And finally, if we have time, we'll talk about Windows 11 new keystrokes that are available that people can use. And uh, lastly, if we need to fill up some time, we can also be talking about the upcoming events related to access technology. So listen to Kelly and company and uh, get that. And I will have a link to my segment on Kelly and company in the show notes at your own pay.com slash DM 99. Speaking so of which, if you're listening live right now in clubhouse, that means to Monday, Monday, because tomorrow is Sunday Yep. Uh, to Monday to Monday uh, I like at, that. yeah, well, I keep wanting to say tomorrow, but I really mean Monday, which would be July 18th. At 11.10 a.m. Pacific time, that's 2.10 p.m. Eastern at ami.ca. You can listen live, or if you live in Canada, listen to the Accessible Media channel on your TV or radio. And uh, you can listen to the segment live, or of course, pick up the podcast once it's published that afternoon, and we'll have a link to it. Uh, another podcast I'm going to link to. You can also I'm- follow Michael at Payon on Twitter, and uh, he always tweets out right before he, you know, few minutes before he goes live too just in case you're like i don't remember what time he said right right and i'm gonna make show notes a little harder for me than what i need to but i am gonna ask you before we wrap up today and then you can close it out Tomasi, unless you have something else when i was at convention i asked Tomasi if he could step in for me and i think he did a great job at talking about keeping yourself secure while traveling so uh, do you want to give people a quick review of what you talked about and what do you think of that experience doing it all by yourself so the experience was cool like it was super cool uh major props to both kelly and romeo for uh how they managed the conversation flow uh 
I was extremely comfortable. It was a nice back and forth conversation. It did not feel stilted or scripted at all. So uh, super cool time. Uh, had fun. Uh, did got my timing down right. Thanks to having <laughs> done the show with you a few times already as a guest. So like I kind of had the talking points well timed out so that we did kind of wrap up right on time. It's like I've done it before. Uh, good. <laughs> uh, I was extremely nervous going into it, to be honest. Uh, I was like, man, I don't want to blow this up. But no, it went very well. But I, I give all of the credit for that, honestly, to both Kelly and Romeo for how they manage everything. Uh, you know, Matt, the the sound engineer, kind of handled things like he always does when I'm there as a guest, so no problems there. But just the way that they, they came back and forth with the questions and also interjected some thoughts kind of helped spread it out and get us a nice good conversation and packed into that that 12 10 12 minute you know time slot right there as for what i talked about essentially i went over a lot of stuff that if you've been listening to the show as long as some people hey amanda uh and teresa uh you know we have covered these michael doys michael ain't been listening to us that long i feel like i just met this guy <laughs> he's, he's, uh, they've been with us for 20 <laughs> episodes that's long enough uh, okay that'll get you i shouted out michael d already though uh what's up mike now you cool man but for people who have been listening for a really long time to the shows like you know i have probably covered most of the stuff that i talked about in that episode has been touched upon at some point here or there uh just much more brief and compact and more concise for Tips just for keeping safe when you're traveling. One of which is have a passcode on your device. Uh, make use of your screen curtain if you're a, a, a uh, screen reader user. If you are not a screen reader user, just be mindful of doing things that are sensitive in nature on your device when in the presence of other people. Uh, because we don't always know what other people can see. I say that as a blind person, but I think that also sometimes applies to even people who are sighted. Mm -hmm. Your visual acuity or what you focus in on uh, does not necessarily equate to what the person standing a few feet away from you is going to be focused on. So they may be eyeballing your screen and see you typing in your passcode because, well, you, you're not doing anything to attempt to hide that. A couple other things I didn't really get it's any of the stuff that we have talked about a lot here, like, you know, VPN services and do all this stuff. Look, I, the major thing that I, I think I covered on that show and that I think really over the course of this segment just got repeatedly kind of, you know, um, brought to light is be aware of what your threat model is in the first place. And essentially like, what is, what are the risk factors for you? Uh, most of us, the average person, and I say average in the sense of like, you're not in a sensitive job. You don't work at a, a you're not a CEO. You're not somebody that that is known to or is going to be recognized instantly as having a lot of secrets inside of your head or on your device. Your threat, your your risk assessment is going to be lower than, say, Tim Cook's, right? My, my risk assessment is way lower than Tim Cook's. Right. Let's be clear about that because he's the CEO of Apple. He knows a lot more stuff like people would really probably like to get in his phone a whole lot more than they would like to get in my phone. I want to get into his phone. <laughs> I actually kind of don't. I would rather be in uh, Craig Federighi's phone. Ah, yeah. Jeff Williams phone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, if I was really targeting somebody like, you know, that's how I go after. Not that I would do such a thing, but just be aware of what your what your risk factors are. Now, also be aware that, you know, just being careless about your security just means you're low-hanging fruit and, you know, low-hanging fruit gets plucked first. So, you know, is 
you know, a, a corporation or a country or a group of, of hackers really going to target me? Probably not because I'm not the easiest thing to scoop up, but I'm also not important enough. Or I don't carry enough secrets that will be valuable enough to them to make it worth their time. Uh, so I fall somewhere in the middle. Now, if people know me, they may know that I do actually carry some secrets around that are other people's information that could be somehow more valuable. Mm -hmm. Uh, But again, you don't know me well enough to know that because it's not a thing that I tweet about on Twitter, right? Or post on Facebook like, oh, yeah, you know, shout out to all my customers who trust me with their passwords. Like, yeah, thank you. Uh, No, I don't do that. I just said it on my show, but, you know, whatever. We got only 17,000 listeners, so it's not like that many people. Uh, but in all seriousness, be aware of your 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 threat your 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 threat model. So you don't have to go overboard. Is what I'm trying to say. Like the, the overall point of that was like, listen, everybody should take the most basic security steps because it makes you not be the low hanging fruit. Nobody just drives by and snatches your information up or sucks it up because you were careless with it. You know, it's just like if you're out traveling around and you got money on you, you're gonna keep it in a pocket where you will hopefully feel someone trying to go into your pocket. Mm-hmm. You're not going to pin it to your sleeve, right? Don't do the same thing with your phone. Your phone has a lot of information about you, your your tablet, your computer. Just, you know, secure that stuff and think about um, how much of an inconvenience it is. Now, you know, you don't have to make a crazy 27-character long password either for your devices. Uh, Just use something that is complicated. Don't use your birthday. Don't use your wife's, boyfriend's, husband's mother's kids birthdays either because that information is probably available online uh in some form or fashion i just found out mike's wife's birthday because he told me if i were an enterprising person and really cared to go look i could probably have found it out on facebook though yep because i am connected to mike on facebook and i may actually be connected to mallory i don't know yeah i've been in facebook in a while i forget that we're friends on facebook because yeah it's facebook (laughs) Wow, Mike. Just sorry, man. <laughs> well, honestly, I, I forget that you have a Facebook account because you don't use it. So if you didn't have a Facebook account, you and I couldn't be friends. Uh, that 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 is that is a fair statement. That is a fair statement. Sometimes I forget I have a Facebook account. So <laughs> to be fair about it. But you know, you use a reasonable password. One of my suggestions on the show is like I, if you, so one, if you're like me and Michael and several other blind people uh, or people in general, like this to me is a general tip. It's not even just a blind person's tip. But if you remember T9 typing on mobile phones mm-hmm. where you had to press, you know, if you wanted to type call, you had to press the letter two, three times to make a C and then press it once to make an A and, you know, so on and so forth. Use, if you remember what letters are associated with what numbers, you can have yourself a pretty decent numeric only passcode for your phone or your tablet uh, that is going to be reasonably secure, but is also going to be simple for you to remove. I mean, to remember, Uh, I mean, honestly, I could probably spell my name using the T9 input method and have a decent password on my phone and not have most people guess that, except that I just said it. And so therefore I'm not going to do that. But you're, you you're lucky though. Point. Your name's pretty easy on T nine. I was just doing it in my head. I'm like, hey, that's that's kind of a clever password it, it, there. It's actually really not bad. <laughs> and if you don't tell people like that's what because here's the thing, like I know that that's what I do in a lot. Well, actually, what I do in a lot of cases is I use the keyboard 
input and I use letters where there are letters. I use numbers sometimes in place of letters, uh, but I map everything to Braille. So uh, I think the example I gave on Kelly and Co. was if I type, you know, I can't remember what I said. If, now, if you to, want to know the example, you can go listen to go the Go listen Kelly to the episode. Show. There you there go. You go. There you go. But yeah, I gave a lot of tips like that. You know, just just simple ways that you can remember your password. Because the one thing you don't want to do is make like this super secure password, but then you don't remember <laughs> it. Because guess what? Now you're locked out too. Uh, That's why I'm scared to change my one password. <laughs> That's why I haven't changed my. I think it's a pretty good password. And also, I don't want to be in one of those moments uh-huh. where I have a brain freeze. And it's like, I have yep. no idea what it is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Man, if I forget my one password, password, I am hosed, man, hosed, absolutely hosed. And if you want to know Demasi's one password, go ask him on Twitter. Oh, did I tell you? Uh, quick side note: Did I tell you what Doug said? I tweeted out my Capital One. <laughs> oh yeah, you told me about that. <laughs> so thanks to the person who used it. Anyways, if you want to know Demasi's password, you can ask him. He won't tell you. But on Twitter, at Damasi, D-A-M-A-S-H-E. I'm on Twitter, at Payone, P-A-Y-O-W-N. The show's on Twitter. At the DM series. And show notes and more information at youronpay.com slash DM99. We do really need to hear from you, though. What do you like and what don't you like about the show? Episode 100 is next. It's a very important. This is not just a random thing we're asking you just because we're like, oh, we want some engagement on Twitter, so we look cool. No. There's something more going on here. Yeah. You've been listening to Your Own Pay Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, visit yourownpay.com slash cast for exclusive content and to contact us today. We're eager to hear your thoughts and about how you're making this podcast your own. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. The Your Own Pay Podcast, yourownpay.com.